2: Tim Kawakami, the editor-in-chief of the very athletic Bay Area. Tim Kawakami. Tim Kawakami, who's covered the NBA for over two decades, and more specifically, the Golden State Warriors over the last 12
3: years. This is the TK Show. Hey, it's Tim Kawakami, TK Show, recording from the home studio. Different version of a podcast episode here, but I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, We're going to do our inaugural TK show mailbag issue, kind of seeking out some questions on social media. You guys responded, and I brought in somebody to keep this train on the tracks, keep me on the track. Sometimes I go wild off here, but I know she can. It's my good friend, former Warriors Chase Center host, where she was terrific. You might recognize her from that, former Miss California. We kind of like that title. It's Crystal Lee beaming in from the East Coast, but you're my friend. It's we're universal on Streamyard. We're all cl- we're all close, right? We're all here. Crystal, good to have you on, on the show. How are you doing today?
4: Hi, thank you so much, Tim. Uh, it's an honor. I've always been a huge fan of your work, and I'm excited that I get to put you in the hot seat today. Yes. I have a couple of questions, and many she of these will questions be in control.
3: From She's in control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh,
4: you know I love the control. <laughs> Many of these questions rolled in from your viewers and your listeners. And I am super excited. We have about eight to ten questions. questions—ten, yep. Maybe eight, depending on how yep. long your answers are, that we can get through. Yeah.
3: Excellent. So, Excellent. Yeah, Crystal, if I, I've seen the questions, but Crystal's picking them. So I don't know exactly what she's going to ask me. The first one and the last one will be from Threads. I try to be kind of nice to the Threads-only content. And the rest can be from Threads or from the X, the evil X uh, platform, which I asked. But people had some good questions there, too. So Crystal, fire away. You got the questions. Add anything else. Crystal put her own flair on this. She's got some flair, folks. Uh, and off we go. Which first? <laughs> what's the first question, Crystal?
4: All right. So the first question uh, relates to Dub Nation, the Warriors. And I saw this jump out at me because I found it to be really relevant. And here goes. Who? was more responsible for Kuminga's embracing his role as a full-time four? Do you think it was the coaching staff or JK himself? Um, Kerr was talking about how he didn't rebound well enough for a power forward. And it felt like maybe Kuminga saw himself more as a jump shooting small forward. I want to get your thoughts. What do you think, Tim?
3: Yeah, I mean, is it too much of a bail to say both both uh, Kerr and Kuminga get credit for that? Yes, I think it's a bailout. Uh, I'm going to give credit to Jonathan Kaminga. You know, this guy is is in third season. We've seen the talent, certainly from the get-go. We've seen the mistakes. We've seen that he's frustrated the coaching staff at times, even certainly pretty deep into this season. But the guy put his head down. You know, he wasn't happy about it. I think we've heard that there was a trade, sort of a trade, you know, semi uh, you know, sort of blurry trade request this season. It wasn't an actual request, but it certainly came off as that. who uh, was frustrated. The guy's really talented. He's kind of exactly what they need, but they didn't, weren't quite getting it. And he's fought his way through it. He's stubborn, but that's good. He's incredibly talented. He doesn't quite do the stuff the Warriors want, but he does other stuff, which is what they need. They need someone who can do things that aren't out of the system. Uh, and he just, you know, he's an athletic talent that they absolutely need out there to, to compete against the big teams, uh, to compete against Minnesota, to Denver, all those other teams. Uh, I just think it was, I give credit to Kaminga, to the player for earning it. I'll give a semi-subtle, this is what I've been saying, people don't quite buy it, but I'll also like, Kerr does not love playing young players. We know that. It takes a lot for him to to. Seed over time to guys who have never won a championship for him. But by doing it like that, by showing extreme patience with the older guys, once he makes the decision to go to a younger guy, the older guys know that they've earned it. The older guys know that Kerr has gone to the mat for them. And if the production isn't there, Mm -hmm. finally maybe it's happened two, three, four, seven weeks later than most of us would have done it by that point. If you're a clay thompson or an andrew wiggins or a Kevon looney you can't say that Kerr didn't give you every shot and you can't say that the young player did not earn it if you earn it you play maybe you earn it times 10 with the warriors but you do play and what one veteran pointed out to me i think a year or two ago is like okay all these young players that supposedly haven't developed under Kerr, how many of them have left the warriors and succeeded like zero <laughs> so there's something to this it's hard to play for the Warriors. it's hard to play for steph but if you can if you can do it and you're a young player, you're in line to be pretty damn good. I think that's the point here. I think Kaminga and Pajemski's picked it up really fast as a rookie. And they're the best two young players Warriors have had since Draymond and Harrison Barnes. And that's, you know, 12 years ago. <laughs> that's a long time. But it's <laughs> worth having these young players earn their way in.
4: Yeah, I know. It's very exciting. I think there's a lot of potential. And to your point, 12 years is a long time. So we're overdue long. for sort of that next generation, that next Sprouting batch.
3: Second timeline, as, as as the Warriors' um, nomenclature might be, although they've kind of gone away from that timeline thing. But this is part of it. And, you know, high end talent and Jonathan Kaminga's high end talent. And James Wiseman didn't work and Kamingas working.
4: Uh, next question uh, relates to the Super Bowl, which was not that long ago. Personally, I'm still feeling the sting. Um, your your post game column will, shall, will Kyle Shanahan's 49ers ever win a Super Bowl? Maybe not. That column really hit a hard truth uh, for this this reader. So not fire everybody, of course, but is there a point or when is there the point when they're still good but there's too much psychic damage and a split occurs? Uh, for example, with uh, Coach Reed in Philly. What do you
3: think? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a kind of accumulating frustration for sure. Uh, and I think that we're feeling that i sure, sure i just walked past a guy in my building just like it still hurts it still hurts that was this morning uh, and if you think it hurts for the fans it hurts 10 times more for everybody in the organization um yeah i just think that like andy Reid is a good example it was he won his first championship in his 21st year you wouldn't have fired if you had fired him well the eagles did fire him but that was a whole lot of, his defense kind of fell apart after his longtime great Defense coordinator Jim Johnson died, so it's a whole other issue. Uh, we could do a whole other podcast on that one, but you don't want to say the first 20 years are sh- proof that he can't do it when a guy did it in his 21st year. I think what Kyle Shanahan does builds towards things, it gets teams to deep into the playoffs. He's gone two and one in every single playoff he's been with the 49ers. That's pretty good. Um, but you do want to win the big game. There is. I'll just say go, losing to Patrick Mahomes in overtime, there's not a lot of shame in that. And losing to Patrick Mahomes two years before that, uh, uh, four years before that, I'm sorry, late in the fourth quarter, I, I just can't say that that's an indictment. Um, but they might not win a Super Bowl. That is, That might happen. I, I've talked to Warriors people saying how fortunate or how they earned it by winning it the first time. This team won it the first time it was in the playoffs. I'm sorry, in well, under Steve Kerr. And it just takes a burden off of you. And if you don't win it and then you go back and you don't win it again, these things do begin to weigh on you. And, yes, it's weighing on this franchise, certainly weighing on the fan base. But you don't throw it away. Mm-hmm. You don't just say, so what? we got to go to someone else who doesn't matter. I, I, I really push back on that stuff. Um, there may come a time, as it, it came with Andy Reid and the Eagles, where you just can't keep going through this. But I don't think this 49ers era is over. I don't. I don't think Kyle Shanahan has run aground. I don't think they've run out of options. They got to keep trying. If they keep banging into Patrick Mahomes, they got to figure out a way to beat Patrick Mahomes. A way not to boot a you know to to lose a, a punt return and not to you know not to give up a fourth and one overtime. All those things. I think it's possible. You'd rather have that than the 30 other teams that didn't get there. And again, yes, I do think there will be a. If they keep doing this, might be time for everybody to move on. But I don't think they're real close to that. And it's you think it's hard to lose Super Bowls? I agree, it is hard to lose Super Bowls. It's theoretically, and I I think actually harder to lose before the Super Bowl. You don't. You'd rather be in the Super Bowl and lose than not be in the Super Bowl at all. And I think Kyle Shanahan's system yeah. is program get you there. Uh, you just got to figure out and and y- there's a chance they don't win a Super Bowl. That's what I wrote. Uh, but there's a chance everybody doesn't win a Super Bowl yeah. except for Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid at this point. So it's a long way of saying there's a lot of healing to go on. They got stuff they got to do. Uh, if they blow this defensive coordinator higher, that's going to be an issue. But I don't think I would say, okay, now this is proof that cal Shanahan is never going to do it. It's possible he isn't going to do it. It's possible for everybody that they're not going to do it. Um, I wouldn't say Mm -hmm. this is proof of anything. This is just another painful thing to get through. And his theme, interestingly, to his players was you do it. You put yourself out there. You risk the criticism. You put yourself on the big stage and you want to win it and you got to win it. But if you don't, you're not less of it, less for it. You are preparing yourself for something greater when you actually do win.
4: And I think this is something that fans don't really acknowledge enough which is that it was so close to working like so close to working and i think another day another night another other conditions and this exact formula would have been successful so i am i'm with you i think your your answer is very measured because yeah it's not worth throwing it away there's still a lot of data there's still a road ahead and yeah i i think i would agree with that wholeheartedly tim yeah
3: yeah, three more of those uh, right, uh, you know <laughs> Might be a problem. They do this three more times, but I, I would give this <laughs> I would give this era more time.
4: Um, especially given your long career, I think you've seen teams um, have just more data. You know, just a little bit more more time for for a dynasty to really be established. It's still early. It's still new. Um, all right, moving on to baseball. So with the Athletics likely to leave Oakland. Do you think we will ever see pro sports in the East Bay again?
5: Listen up. I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart. Sure, you may be a coughing snot foster who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up.
2: better the
4: reward you put in the hours the energy the tough labor you are a fighter modella is your reward modella the mark of a fighter trick responsibly beer imported by crown import chicago illinois fisher could yeah. screw this up of course
3: yeah i mean fisher could screw it up john fisher has screwed things up multiple times it's not looking like he's got everything lined up in las vegas I don't know what happens if that thing blows up. I think, you know, I've said the likeliest thing, if that blows up, which feels like it's 50, 50 at this point. uh, And with John Fisher, 50, 50 often feels more like in reality, 25 75 against it working. I think he should sell the team. Now that's, you know, I can say that and fans can say that. And there could be whole boycotts, you know, lined up for that and chanting it in the stadium. Doesn't mean he's going to, it's his team. They're not for sale, but that, from what I've heard, if you kind of fuse some things you've heard from kind of people kind of you know, sympathetic to Fisher, people who are not sympathetic to Fisher, is that this is his last gasp with the A's. Las Vegas are nothing. If he can't get it done, maybe he sells. And maybe he sells to Las Vegas interest. Maybe it's an A, you know, Oakland interest. I don't know. I think the Oakland interests would be the livest possibilities. And I do think that is... How Oakland maintains a major league team? I don't know. It's not going to be in in the NBA. Uh, I don't think they're the NFL is going back to Oakland. Um, I don't know when they're going to expand. Anyway, baseball is expanding at some point, not real soon. I just I know there was a Chronicle story about you know negotiations to keep the A's you know be, while they're waiting quote unquote waiting for their stadium in Las Vegas. They need somewhere to play. If they play at the Coliseum, negotiation is it maybe they get guarantee oakland mlb guarantees oakland an an expansion i just don't think that's an i just don't think the mlb would ever put that on the table they they keep that precious to themselves maybe an oakland expansion franchise way down the line but that's way way down the line there's just so many other cities lined up ahead of them right now um nashville charlotte portland but um no it's the ace it really is it's john fisher screwing up man listen oakland is oakland the bay area suffered and and bay area ace fans have suffered for John Fisher's failures for 15 years, 20 years, this time they could root for a John Fisher failure, feeling like that's could benefit them for once. And that failure could be in Las Vegas, and it could put the A's on, you know, on the market. We'll see. Uh, but I think I've written this many, many times. If the bet is between John Fisher actually pulling something off and John Fisher failing, I always bet on the failure, and I have not been wrong so far. I might eventually be wrong but I have not been wrong. And I think it's, uh, it's something to watch and, and maybe the A's will be back and maybe the Howard Terminal site looks good for people. And there is your Oakland hope. John Fisher failing, again, not a bad bet.
4: <laughs> so a pseudo follow-up question to this, mm-hmm. but what do you think the league will do with the media rights in the Bay? If the A's eventually leave for Vegas.
3: Yeah. I think it just like, it just goes away to, you know, or just seeds to the giants who have most of it anyway, Crystal, like they map, I mean, the giants are the, t- yeah. you know, they're not in a good moment right now with their fans. It's not like they have the most compelling team, but they've already kind of edged over into dominance, you know, more, even more dominance than they've had in the past with the A's completely wiping themselves out. If the A's play in the Coliseum for three more years, or sacramento or Salt Lake like the giants are going to own this market i think there are other teams that don't love that it's a big market for one team to own but what are they going to do you know slam another team in there i'm like again the ideal situation is for somebody real to own the a's and build a stadium probably not going to be john fisher who's going to do that in oakland but um that solves a lot of different things if you look at it um you know he's going to want to sell again and who knows then they and other owners hate forcing somebody to sell because they're an owner too and they don't want everyone to gang up on them but maybe if this Vegas thing which again does not feel right doesn't smell right uh everyone can see it um if it doesn't work out within the next year or so maybe we begin to hear some things that John Fisher is just trying to get out uh, at this point i've heard it's a yeah. mission of his he's determined this is this is his legacy well john fisher you're not going to have a great legacy period you're not you can you know this is not who you are if you get out of it i think there are i know there are oakland buyers out there and they can make howard terminal or someone else work again that is the the big picture roundabout way this all gets solved but john fisher is the one who's going to have to figure out to sell or not
4: uh, all right, I want to switch gears here to a personal question um, related to your opinion regarding which Uh-oh. team have you found to be the most fun to cover. Uh, the door actually just opened. <laughs> I'm going to close the door. the sunlight coming in. <laughs> one second.
3: I saw a light there. That's all good. Okay. I'll answer this question while you uh, get to your. <laughs> your uh, there's the door closing. Did the you just close. You just close the door on the ace? Crystal Lee just yes. closed the door metaphorically on. Is that forget it. Ah. <laughs> uh uh,
5: real life happening on a podcast i love it
3: um yeah you know winning is you know to be around people who are winning is often or mostly or always uh, a better thing to be around people who are losing now sometimes the losing is better to write about i am not going to argue that sometimes like losing warriors and 49 ers situations are fascinating to write about Uh, losing giants situation is not as fascinating to write about, but this Warriors run is is a you know, I I've told the story a time or two, and I'll say it again. Like the first three or four games of the 2014-15 Warriors season, they were just blowing people out. And I turned to Marcus Thompson, who people may know, and said, Marcus, we gonna they're gonna they might win a championship and we better capitalize on this moment media-wise. Not uh, you know, as fans, not as anything other than let's chronicle this era correctly. Let's do it intensively and let's do it with fun. Uh, and that's how we started the podcast Warriors plus minus. That's how, you know, it eventually became a big part of us starting the Athletic Bay Area. And just, you know, the engine of all that is fan interest, it's fan, you know, fervor, mania. Sometimes it gets out of hand. A lot of times it gets out of hand, but that is what drives kind of what we do. Our business it drives, you know, conversation. It drives ticket. what all those things are bundled up in kind of what we do. Now we got to do things that some people don't love and don't aren't interested in, just because journalism is about that. But um, the chronicling of a once in an era once in a lifetime really for you know our lives or just you know once in decades team which is what these warriors have been and what Steph Curry for sure is um, that's what we're supposed to do we're supposed to live that and we're supposed to um, and I think we've done a decent job of it and it's been pretty fun now some of it's hard it's grueling there are times when you've heard the Players or coaches bite back at us or at me, and that's fine. Um, we all get tired. We all get going through the same process. But this is just, um, we we are supposed to live for the big moment. I kind of think of myself as a big moment writer and podcaster. Uh, and the, the Warriors have provided the biggest moments for Journalism, for conversation, for thinking through things, or trying to be smart about it. So uh, the 49ers was always the most drama, always win, lose, middle, whatever, always consistently the most drama. I will never give up covering the 49ers. But the Warriors has been the one that's, I think, the biggest ride. The one where you're just getting on the sled and it's just going down the hill. And it is uh, bumpity, bumpity, but also really fast and a little thrilling. So I'll, I'll, I'll go Warriors Dynasty just because how can you say anything other than that?
4: Awesome. Well, that was a great question. That was from Brad Coutino. Um, our next question, I believe, also comes in from X. Um, it is from Alex McHale. Uh, Alex McHale Zero Zero. Tim, you always ask your guests, what's their favorite restaurant show or book? All right, now it's your turn. Tell us what your favorite restaurant is recently, uh, as well as any book recommendations. I know you were a good, you're an avid reader, so mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm also looking forward to hearing your answer here.
3: <laughs> okay, yeah, the, the book one, you know, sometimes I don't read the new stuff as as well. I go back and start reading old stuff. I'll say restaurants, so I just did this for my column podcast, I don't, a column uh, mailbag, uh, and I don't want to repeat it, but it does hit me Crystal, you ever been to Red's Java House on the Embarcadero? Um, it's right there. Oh my gosh, that's a
4: yes. That is a, a mainstay. It's been there for a really long time too, I believe.
3: Yep, yeah, it's 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 a institution. I've driven past it a million times. I've walked past it often. I do live in the city, so I'm up and down that area, and I've just never gone in. And I went in a couple weeks ago and had the sourdough double cheeseburger, and it was incredible. Like this is just built for me. So that place, and it has been. I've been there now multiple times in the last few weeks because I like it so much. Uh, Hard to go wrong with that one. Uh, And um, I'll just go with that. I I mentioned a Chinese restaurant, the same hotel, Chung Hing. Uh, just cause my family likes it so much and the lobster low man crystal was so good. Um, and it's a, you know, family style restaurant, nothing fancy, but I kind of like that. I, people think of me of the high end stuff and you might've known me at a high end restaurant or two, but, uh, I also like just the hearty stuff. I really do just cause, um, comfort food is important and I yes. eat a lot of it. Uh, book, let me think here. Um, You know, I've been reading back uh, John Burdett with the Bangkok 7, Bangkok haunts kind of uh, detective in Thailand um, series like from about 15 years ago. Just a real kind of good detective, sort of literary, introspective, kind of going through murders. And there might be some like, you know, uh, tawdry stuff in there, but it's done very well, very thoughtfully. I kind of Bought back into that one. Um, I got the, the news. Like I know a lot of people I ask are like always reading the new stuff and getting the new things. Uh, I don't always do that. Uh, the Stephen King stuff, Holly. It uh, was a book I've started recently. It's a terrible thing to bring up now because I kind of stopped. I didn't love it. I love that series. Mm-hmm. I like Stephen King. This one I kind of wavered on. I don't know why. I start and stop on that one, which is not a great sign, but I like Stephen King a lot. I like that series. So that's another one. Um, Not the highest highbrow there, Crystal, uh, but it's uh, something that I kind of like, kind of thrillers or, you know, quick reads at night. I just – that's all I – you know, I got so many other things on my head, and it just takes 30 to 45 minutes to just at the end of every night, I got to read something, something that absorbs me. So I'll yeah. throw those two out there. John Burdett, uh, kind of in the middle, you know, Michael Connolly, I love and you know, uh, the, the kind of detective thriller, L.A. Noir, those sorts of novels I, I really do like.
4: Yeah, I think as a journalist, you probably have so much happening in your head that at night before bed, the only way you can decompress is to be engrossed in someone else's fiction for a little bit,
3: just so that you can actually like
4: resort, come back down to baseline so that you can do it all again the next day.
3: (laughs) That is it. Exactly. Because that is like, I don't like reading nonfiction because then I start thinking of this story or this could have been written this way, or I thought of something else that happened. Uh, I'll read some nonfiction not a ton I know like Kerr loves nonfiction and I just don't I buy a couple of things that he's recommended and I can't get all the way into them because I want some other story I want some other universe I want some other world I'll just say move I just watched interstellar mm-hmm. the the Christopher Nolan you know space And I loved it because it just took me somewhere else like I was totally somewhere else for whatever that was like a three and a half hour movie so that was long but that's the stuff I like at the end of the day. I don't necessarily want the stuff that's related to what I do because I do that all day. I you know, I talk to people all day. I think about it all day. Mm-hmm. I write about it all day. Take me to something. The last thing I'm going to do, Crystal Lee is like read a warrior's book. I hate to say Marcus Thompson or all, I just don't want to do it just because <laughs> that's just what I'm thinking about all the time. Uh, and no, no, I will not do that. Take mm-hmm. me something way, way off the beaten track, uh, at least in my head. Uh, give me a break and I'll wake up and I'll just do it all over again.
4: Um, all right, next question. Now this question comes from, um, we have Josh L. Um, what are your thoughts on how the athletic has changed from its inception to present day?
3: Very good question, which I you know don't answer anymore on my mailbag. That's fine. Uh, it's I, I used to answer those questions plenty and that's why people asked them. That's just great. I was very transparent about all that. Uh, no longer am with encouragement from the company. That's fine. Um, it just tells you a little bit how things have changed. You know, we, the athletic started in 27. Well, it started for us in the athletic Bay area, you know, summer of 2017 is kind of this free booting, go out and do what you can think of things, be creative. We'll figure it out on the backside, just go out and do good stuff. And it just got bigger and bigger and expanded. And then went through the pandemic, which I understand changed everybody. And, you know, easily could have, company could have gone down, how many media companies, r- young media companies could have survived that where there were no sports, where a sports media company, um, but got through it, which tells you that so much of the structure was built so very well, but got more corporate, more bureaucratic, very bureaucratic now. Um, that's fine. That happens. New York Times purchases it, gets even more bureaucratic. Um, you know, I still do what I do. But the company's changed and it was going to have to change. Um, you know, if you can extrapolate that I'm doing different things now because I have to that don't fit within the New York Times athletic window. Yeah, I think that's safe. This podcast was I pulled it out of there and they didn't necessarily want it there anyway. That's fine. Uh, I still write there. It just it's a different feel. But startups always change. And if you were kind of there, I wasn't at the, there at the beginning, but I was there kind of at the acceleration of it. Uh, and friends with the co-founders who are no longer really associated with the company. It's different. I don't I don't know the owners of this, <laughs> this operation now. I don't really deal with the higher up people. That's fine. Uh, it's just different when you, you when you started it with that relationship with, you know, a real because kind of we got through that, you know, the early days together. It felt like you will never have that bond with people who you didn't go through that with. So um, the athletic is different. I'm relatively the same, I think. I don't know. Uh, So I'm always going to be pushing to do stuff that that fit my vision, that fit my idea where sports is going. Feels like the athletics kind of like this is what we are right now, right here. This is what we are. And that wasn't the feeling at the beginning. And I kind of liked it when we were trying to figure it out. And, you know, whoever came up with the best idea, just do it. I kind of feel like old media is that way. And again, I, people get mad at me when I say that, but the athletics kind of getting to be old media now, which is a credit to the foundation they built. But I don't like being part of old media sometimes. And uh, I like being part of things that are trying new things and are aggressive about liking new things. And the athletic kind of stopped doing that, in my opinion. Again, I'll probably hear about this. Maybe, you know, maybe I'll hear a lot about this. From athletic executives, who I'm sure are listening to this, but that's fine. Um, I'm I'm pretty good at what I do, so um, we all have different opinions of of how this goes. I just think that the athletic has changed that way as a kind of an old media institution lasting long. And give them full credit for that. This has been incredible. They've lasted. It's incredible. They will keep lasting, Um, but it's different from kind of the light footed, uh, creative. Space where it started with it was inevitable; it was going to do that, but it has. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, yeah, no. I I think it's well said. Uh, they are a startup, and startups all um, it, their objective is to reach a certain valuation to then be able to reach a liquidation event for a lot of the early early folks. So I I, I can imagine just how how different it is now. But you being there at the most exciting time when it was accelerating, you probably saw everything it was probably great learning for you
6: as we turn the corner into the new year a lot of people are looking to get healthier that includes hero bread who have just launched their new recipe using heart healthy olive oil hero bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs five to 11 grams of protein and high fiber in every delicious serving made with natural ingredients
3: It was like, yeah, was, my mind keep going back to Interstellar because that's what I just watched. But like, going through the black hole at the at the climax of that movie, it's, it kind of was like that. You think back on it, bright lights everywhere. I don't know where it was going to go. Something powerful is occurring, and it, we're going to come out the end. And I'm going to be my you know, Matthew McConaughey, and I'm going to be uh, younger than my daughter. That was that. That's all in my head in from Interstellar. <laughs> I'm sorry if it's confusing. But, you spoiled uh... it. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. Oops. Oops. Sorry about that all right well i just wanted to close
4: with uh one more question uh, from threads this was submitted by tanish baron how did you get into sports writing and media was that something you've always wanted to do that you set out to do or was it a pivot
3: yes yeah, so can you call a pivot if you're 19 years old a pivot uh, maybe um i knew i want to write i knew i liked writing um in high school wrote for the paper whatever i didn't think i was going to be a journalist i want to be or like i was gonna be a rock and roll critic or like a presidential speech writer or a lawyer if i wanted to make a lot of money uh i was the story my oldest brother was just in law school then i think or about to get out of law school and he just said if you can do anything else don't be a lawyer <laughs> he said this to me uh so yeah let me try you know l- let's see what i can else i can do got into northwestern journalism school i was a bay area kid i didn't know what was going on. i got in somehow and was in the middle of all these great young writers and many of the you've seen it out there you know mark fainer wada was in my freshman class rick wartzman who has been an editor in many big pit places many many really important uh matt murray was was my sophomore year roommate who was ended up being the executive editor the wall street journal has since left and is on to other things but that's a pretty impressive group of people there at northwestern i was just kind of like on the back side of that and like, okay, I'm going to go be a Washington correspondent. I mean, like, I, I just thought that, like, they kind of drum that in you. There certainly isn't like a be a sports writer uh, at Northwestern. But um, I took an internship in Jacksonville and I saw how bored all the like city side and Metro and cop speech reporters were. And you jump over to sports and they're all in the middle of it. They're, it's exciting, it's live. You're writing stuff you know and love. I've always loved sports. I always was a sports person. I was always thinking about why teams win, why they lose, why players are good, why they're bad. There's just as a, as a fan of sports. And it's like, well, let me try doing this. Let's see how this is and you know, where you're constantly engaged. You're constantly looking at games and you're working. And once I started doing that, Crystal, it just took off. Like it was 19 years old, literally 20, maybe like I've just figured out what I can do for the next 20 years of my life. Now it's been more than that. But at the time I was like, I, it's quite a moment. Like this is it. This is right here. Uh, I'm pretty. I have, seem to have a little natural knack for certain things. Uh, we'll see where it goes, uh, and we'll see if I burn out. We'll see if I get. And I just it hasn't happened. I've done different things, been in different cities, different roles. Um, I think there, you know, was a like a time where I was like, yeah, maybe I could do something else. But then the athletic shows up and fulfilled almost everything I'd ever want, you know, from starting something, creating something, gathering people I really liked and respected around. Let's go do this, create something new in the Bay Area. That was fulfilling. Crystal, you were, you know, you were around me for like some of the middle of that. And it was just like, it was very fulfilling. And remains, the writing remains very fulfilling. I'm no longer in any part of management, which I'm glad of. But this is just what I kind of do. This is, I just, I've always felt that. Um, I don't know, like there m- might there be something else out there in the future? I don't know, but man, from 19 till now, and probably for a while longer, this is what I, I'm kind of like, sometimes I feel like, uh, am I like just, that's what, I'm a robot destined to do this? Like, it just feels like I, this is so programmed for what I can do, what I'm interested in, how I can think, um, how I can expand, you know, to podcasts or whatever. It's just, it, everything feels natural, uh, in this way. Some, many things, not this don't feel natural or feel like I have to work to them, uh, or, you know, plan it out. This is not that. And I felt that at 19, it was weird. And, and if you don't feel it at 19, you know, that's all good. I just did. I felt it at 19 and, um, I think I was correct on that one. So many other things I might not have been correct about. At, at, certainly at 19, <laughs> I'll put it that way. But um, it's a pretty re- – I remember writing to a friend, uh, a high school friend at the time who was going off into something else. And I said, I think I found – he found religion really is what it was, which was great. And how all life's identified to him all things are clear to him now. And I said, That's great. I think I found something. It sounds weird, but I think my thing sports writing. <laughs> so I had to I gotta admit that I did say that. I mean, it was probably more at a twenty-one at that time, but it's not my religion, but it has been what I've done uh, for many years and it's felt I felt that for a long time. God, how's that for heavy to close a friggin' show there, Crystal? How do you like yes, that one? Yes. <laughs>
5: I
4: I don't think it's heavy. I think it it shows just what a good fit this career is for you. You have found your calling. And I think you've not only engaged your audiences and your readers with your hot takes and your perspectives and just the body of work and the data that you have over covering sports for so long. You inspire the next generation. And I want to remind you that everything you do matters. Everything that you say, everything that you put out, those late night edits, um, your work really matters. And I, I don't think you're, you're told enough. So as a friend as a, as a more a friend than a fan, I just I have to give you props, Tim. So nice work. That's why I wanted to end with that that question. Well, that is <laughs> not
3: why I brought you on. No, I thank you, Chris. That's not why I brought you on. But uh, it's very, very nice of you to say and you know, uh, we've had long conversations and we, we, we uh, have talked about many things like this. And I do appreciate it. And I appreciate you for coming on and helping me here, I knew this was going to work out really well, uh, and I knew you would keep this thing on the rails. We've, 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 uh, we we have some similar thinking you and I, which we have shared in the past, and I do appreciate this, and maybe we'd we'll do it again. Let's do it again some point.
4: I would love to. I would love to. Thanks, Tim.
3: All right, everybody. I thank you so much. We've taken enough of Crystal's time here. If this is more than I actually said, so I really feel bad about that. Everybody, that's the show for today. Thank you, Crystal.
4: Thank you. Tune in for the next one.
2: (laughs) How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage.